Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bite Size Strategy, the podcast that provides you with less fluff and more stuff that you can actually use to grow your brand online. In every episode, we cut the banter, we get down to business, and we talk actionable tips and tricks for online marketing, copywriting, optimizing your website, and more. I'm your host, Ashley Kay, a web designer, digital strategist, and all-around nerd. If you would like to connect with me in between episodes, give me a follow on Instagram at builditandblossom, or you can check out builditandblossom.com for more. Hey guys, I am so glad that you are here for our very first episode. This has been such a long time coming. Now, I know that I just promised not a lot of banter, and I do want to make sure that I keep my promise, but I want to explain to you very special first-time listeners a little bit more about this podcast and why you should most definitely keep listening to it. Let's face it. In 2021, or maybe you're listening to this in the future, 2022, wherever you're at right now, there is a lot of noise out there. In today's world, it's inevitable. And with noise, you know, I'm not talking about the barking dogs, the leaf blowers, or the construction work that you can probably hear in the background right now, unless by some lucky chance I am a better audio editor than I think that I am. Um, I have to record in a very unfortunate location above someone else's garage, so I am just hoping that this ends up sounding okay. I'm uh, very paranoid that it's not going to come out, but hey, we got to let it go. We got to move forward. That's kind of what this episode is all about, actually, but we'll get there in a minute. So anyway, the noise that I am talking about, the noise that most of us face on a day-to-day basis are all of the Instagram posts, the reels, the stories, all of the TikTok videos, all of the YouTube videos, all of the podcast episodes, and basically all of the other content out there that creators somehow remarkably manage to churn out on a daily basis. There is so much out there, right? So growing up, I love to read, and I still do, but you know, I don't get the chance to as much anymore because life's in the way. Uh, That's besides the point, though. When I was younger, I read just about every book that I could get my hands on. So I grew up in the 90s. It was the glorious golden age of Nintendo and what else? What's a, a very 90s thing? Um, 90210? I don't know. I was too young. I didn't watch it. But anyway, in addition to all of those wonderful 90s things, we also had the Book It program. And if you aren't familiar with how the Book It program works, I'm going to give you a quick rundown. So students had to read five books, and once they reached that goal, their teacher would give them a certificate that could be exchanged for a free personal pan pizza down at the Pizza Hut. It was a beautiful program. Whoever dream this up. Oh my gosh, like kudos to them. And I think that book it is still going, which is just wonderful to hear. Well, anyway, back in the day, you know, your girl was like eight years old. She loved reading and she was reading those books left and right, earning those free pizzas all the time. But, you know, I love pizza, so that helped. But I also just really loved reading that much. So anyway, you get the picture here. I liked reading. So can you imagine the pure horror and disappointment that eight-year-old me experienced when I came to the realization that I would never be able to read every book in the world. There's just too many. It's not possible for any person 
on this planet, unless they're an alien, and in that case, they aren't a person, it's just not possible to read every book in the world. There's too many. And if you keep listening to this podcast, you're going to find that I really love my statistics. So here's a fun one to remember. You can impress people, your family at the holidays with this one, okay? There are roughly 140 million books in the world. And to read them all, you would have to read approximately 1,750,000 books every single year. And that's assuming that you were born knowing how to read, (laughs) which no one is. Well, hey, maybe, maybe you're out there and you're born knowing how to read. That would be cool. Um, And then you would also have to live until you're 80 to read all those books. So it's not really possible for most of us, okay? Now, I know I promised no banter and I took a really long-winded approach there, but the bottom line is no matter how much you or my eight-year-old self may want to, it just isn't possible to read every book that is published in the world in a single lifetime. And similarly, I know it's a little bit different, but it is kind of similar, right? It's just not possible to keep up with all of the digital content that is out there. There is simply too much of it. It's really overwhelming. And I don't know about you, but when I do try to keep up, I get exhausted and I burn out pretty quickly. So you may be thinking, okay, Ashley, what are you going to do about it? Well, guys, I am creating more content, and that seems really counterproductive, but here's what I'm trying to do. I want to give you small, bite-sized episodes that you can listen to and get something out of short and sweet, and I promise I'm going to cut the banter down and you aren't going to hear about eight-year-old me loving pizza in the Book It program for much longer. That was a one-time thing, one and done, okay? So guys, at my core, I am just a tech geek, and I've got the glasses, I've got the bad posture, I've got the multi-monitor setup at my workstation, the works. So we are going to be discussing more technical topics here, so you can think stuff like email marketing workflows, search engine optimization tips, user experience, website stuff, as well as discussing the elements that make up a strong brand and digital presence in the general sense. And then we also are going to talk a little bit of psychology and marketing. I really love psychology, so we're going to be talking about that too. And just kind of like overall mindset stuff. So lots of stuff that all relates to building brands online these days. And I promise to do my best at breaking everything down for a beginner to intermediate audience, okay? So a little bit about me, I started my business online in 2013, and yeah, it feels like yesterday, but it was a while ago at this point, and let me just say that I have learned a lot. I started when I was on the tail end of finishing up my master's degree, and you're probably going to hear me say this a lot if you keep listening to this podcast because it is something that is constantly on my noggin. Doing business online is not something that they teach you in school. So even though I took a lot of postgraduate level business courses, I have a master of science in IT leadership. Like, I have all that education, but trust me, doing business online, that was something that was still a giant learning curve, and there were mistakes made along the way. I will be the first to admit it. Now, part of the reason for all of this is that the online world is constantly changing. It's really hard to keep up, and you can think about it in terms of social media even. So five years ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, you know, Facebook seemed like it was the thing. You know, Facebook, it was where it was at. 
And then Instagram became more popular. And then Snapchat kind of came in there and took over. And that was the cool thing. And then Instagram kind of copied Snapchat. And Snapchat wasn't so cool anymore. So Instagram was the cool thing. And now there's TikTok and like reels and video content that's becoming more popular, even though like Vine was a thing 10 years ago or something like that. Like, yeah. Like, there's a lot going on, right? And all of these changes have happened over a relatively short period of time. And that leads me to our topic today, rapid change and complacency and also fear. We're going to be discussing fear today, too. Sounds super fun, right? (laughs) So back when I was working on aforementioned master's degree, taking those aforementioned business courses, there was a classic case that was brought up all of the time. Um, Or maybe, you know, maybe it wasn't brought up that often. It just really seemed like it was because it stands out in my mind because this whole thing is just so scary to me. The case that was constantly brought up was Kodak. So a little history lesson here. In 1975, back in the day, Kodak introduced the first digital camera in the world. And that's like totally crazy, right? Like, I can't really wrap my head around the fact that digital cameras existed as early as 1975 because, of course, in these times it was and it always had been about film. And Kodak dominated film sales. So in the 70s, the stat is something like they had 90% market share of the U.S. film sales. So they were popular people out there. And back in the 70s, Kodak was at the forefront of technology. So they were, you know, of course, dominating these film cells. And their color film, which was called Kodachrome, was a huge household name. It was like as big a name as iPhone is today. And heck, guys, like there's even a Paul Simon song about Kodachrome. And to be honest, it is a bop. So definitely look it up because it is catchy as all heck. But anyway, in 1975, Kodak was doing big things, and so although you'd never guess it today, at the time, it was really no surprise that they were the first people involved with the digital camera. So there was this person named Steven Sasson, who was an engineer for Kodak, and I really hope that I didn't butcher the pronunciation of his name because he created the first digital camera, and he really deserves us to get his name pronounced right. Steve Sasson. I hope that is how you say it. But anyway, 1975, Stephen creates this camera and change was in the air. And a Kodak executive predicted that the market segment would end up turning toward digital cameras, you know, kind of leaving film in the dust. And of course, he ended up being right. So what's the problem here, right? It sounds like Kodak's got a good thing going here. Digital cameras were about to take the world by storm. And we have Kodak with this really awesome digital camera that they just created. And it had the potential to turn the brand into a leader in the digital camera world. So why wouldn't Kodak seize the opportunity and market the heck out of this digital camera and ride off into the sunset a success for years to come. Well, here's the complication. Kodak was already a huge big name player in the film industry, right? You know, remember they had a 90% market share of film sales. So they already had found success there and they were making big bucks in film. So 
If they were to introduce their digital camera and the digital camera went over super, super well and became really, really popular, what happens to their film market? If fewer people are interested in buying film, film sales are going to drop and digital is going to take over. And if something like that happens, well, that's going to hurt Kodak's film sales, and that's going to shake things up and potentially affect their profits, their market share, and their business as a whole. And that's a really scary thing because it deals with the unknown, which most of us are not too fond of. So what Kodak ended up doing is they stuck to what they did know. They sat on their really awesome, unique digital camera innovation by Stephen Sasson, and they just kept it quiet. This way, they would not have to worry about their film sales dipping, and they, of course, could continue to profit in that area, and everything would continue to go on as it had been. End of story. Unfortunately, what ended up happening is Kodak stuck to this idea for a little too long. And since they were afraid of releasing and promoting the digital camera, they just decided to not explore that side of their business at all. But of course, you know, digital was happening, whether Kodak did anything about it or not. And so in the meantime, other competitors like Sony, Fujifilm, Canon, these companies, they ended up exploring digital and they did so successfully and they charged ahead. Well, eventually, Kodak did realize that in order to save their business, they had to release something digital. But when they came to this conclusion, unfortunately, it was too late. Instead of being leaders in the digital market like they could have been if they had released their digital offering in the late 70s, they became followers in the market and they got swallowed up by their competition. And of course, you know, we know what ended up happening to film. You know, although it's still popular with some people, it's of course not as big of a thing as it was in the 70s. And for the most part, film went kaput and it died out. And that really affected Kodak. How? Well, what happened to Kodak long-term, you ask? Well, Kodak filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, and Kodak is, of course, no longer this huge giant household name, and Paul Simon is no longer writing songs about them. And the main reason that this happened is because of complacency, and that's why all of the business school textbooks cite this case. For most of its history, Kodak had built their entire culture around innovation and change, and that's likely one of the reasons why they were so successful. But when it came to this digital problem, the people with these innovative voices within the company, they kind of got buried and not heard. They just weren't being listened to. And another reason why this complacency happened is the fear factor. Okay, not the TV show, you guys. Actual fear. Even though change is inevitable, Kodak chose to ignore this fact. They were afraid to shake things up, and they let this fear get in the way, being more concerned with maintaining their current level of success with the film sales, and they pretty much just hoped for the best that the situation would never change. They just ignored it. But, you guys, the fact of the matter is things do change. Time happens. And today, things seem to be changing more rapidly than ever before. So just like there's more and more content getting published online to keep up with, there's more and more changes that we have to keep up with as solopreneurs, as small business owners, as people. 
And there's less and less opportunity for us to embrace fear and ignore that change is happening. Because if we fall into this fear mindset, we're going to get left behind. And that's why I'm referring to this classic business school case. You may be thinking, you know, um, 1970s Kodak, like my brand, of course, is nothing like theirs. Why is this relevant? And that's why, you know, it's relevant because if complacency killed a giant business that had taken the world by storm for years and was this major powerhouse, complacency can most definitely affect us solopreneurs and small businesses. And it does. I've even seen it be called a silent killer of small businesses because it just sneaks up on in there and it takes a hold. And before you know it, this business that you had been once really, really excited about and it was once doing really, really well, now it's fallen behind the times because you got complacent. So as people building brands online, we have to recognize this. We have to step up, we have to listen, and we have to keep our eyes open for the warning signs of when something just isn't working. And this can be a challenge. We really have to make sure that we are looking ahead. We have to make sure that we are three steps in front of everything rather than two behind or even zero behind. If we're just neutral, we aren't going to really make any progress. And we have to leave the fear behind. And trust me, friends, like this can be a challenge, especially when you are a small business. A lot of us, you know, we are our own businesses. Like we don't have a staff. Uh, We don't have other people besides us working for us. So we got to be on top of it. But being innovative and not complacent, it can be a lot when you've got all of the other business stuff to take care of. So this kind of sounds like a conundrum, right? What's the remedy to this? Luckily, there are some practical tips that you can use to kind of help you combat complacency. And being aware of complacency is really the first step. It all starts with awareness, right? So what I suggest is regular check-ins to make sure that you are on the right track. So get your plans for your brand and your business out on paper. Um, Honestly, like a true business plan is great, but it doesn't necessarily have to be so formal for most of us. It's something that really I think you can even journal about. You can journal your plans. Uh, But however you do it, I highly recommend getting these plans out on paper. And once they are there, don't just ignore them. Use them to guide the actions that you take moving forward in your business. Set goals and, you know, make them attainable. A good goal is a SMART goal. So that's S-M-A-R-T goal. (laughs) S for specific, M for measurable, A for attainable, R for relevant, and T for time-based. So if your goal is something like, hey, I want to make $50,000 with my course launch by April of next year, that's great. That's awesome. That's a smart goal. And you can break that goal down into smaller baby steps that you need to do to actually get to the end goal, to get to that end result. And then when you do get to April of next year, you know, make sure that you actually move forward. Make sure that you actually launch that course. Don't be held back by fear because being held back by fear doesn't usually lead to good things like we just learned with Kodak. And so it's all about attainable goals, guys. Like, don't bite off more than you can chew. And I think this is something kind of unique to my personality type, but I'm sure others can relate to. Maybe not all of you. But I have, like, a steady stream of ideas and things 
that I want to launch and new products, new services, whatever, that I think would be really great to put out into the world. And when I first think of these ideas and I explore them, I am super excited. I'll stay up all night. You know, I feel like I can't get these things out into the world fast enough. But once they are out there, if they even make it that far, because honestly, what I do, I tend to lose steam maybe a third of the way through and I realize it's not the best idea or it's not going to work for me. Um, But if it does make it out there, I realize that I simply don't have enough time to devote toward making the thing the best it can be. So you really got to check yourself and make sure that you don't bite off more than you can chew. Take your time going into new projects. Don't take too much time, but you know, Think about it a little bit and be realistic with the time and resources that you do have. And this is another area where you really have to take a step back sometimes and check yourself. Do you actually have enough hours in the day to get this done and make it be the best it can be? Or, you know, do you have very limited hours? And so and so you're kind of going to like shortchange yourself in your idea if you even attempt it because you can't really put the most into it. And then, you know, guys, we also have consistency. And this is another thing that I, along with probably a lot of you, struggle with. Being more consistent sounds like a practical tip, but of course it goes beyond that. It requires an entire mindset shift. And as humans, we're designed to want that quick fix. We want instant gratification. And when we don't get it, we drop everything and quit. And you can't do that. I know it's hard, but you can't do it. Quitting at the first sign of trouble or when something doesn't go over as well as you originally thought it would, all of that, fear-based reactions. We get disappointed. We get embarrassed when something doesn't go our way, maybe. But you know what, guys? Good things, they take time. And we make mistakes along the way. Or, at the very least, there's always going to be something that you can pick apart about whatever it is you're doing, things you could have done better, and if you don't move past these things, you're going to get stuck. You're going to get complacent, in a way. And you know, I'm really experiencing this with doing this podcast, even. So, I have batch recorded some of the future episodes that you're going to be hearing, um, and I've actually recorded this first episode at least once. Um, and I've ended up just recording these episodes multiple, multiple times because I am such a weird perfectionist that I keep finding faults with everything that I do. So at first, it was the audio quality. The microphone that I was using, of course, wasn't good enough in my opinion. (laughs) So I went out and I bought the expensive $130 Blue Yeti microphone. At least that's more expensive than the one I had been using. There are even higher end ones. Um, But $130 for a microphone, like, that's kind of steep, I think. Um, But you know what? The Blue Yeti is great. So there are no regrets there, but you know what? That $80 microphone that I already had purchased, that probably would have sufficed. But no, not for me because I'm a perfectionist. So anyway, I bought the Blue Yeti. I got the audio quality sorted. And my next criticism was, after recording um, and listening back, of course, my criticism was I was talking too fast. So I listened to what I had recorded. I was like, oh my God, like you have to slow down. People are going to get annoyed with you. And so I did. You know what? I took that feedback. I took my own criticism and I recorded again. I slowed it down. 
And then I listened back again and I found a new issue. My my issue that I'm so hung up on is, oh God, like I am so freaking monotone. Am I going to put people to sleep with my voice? And honestly, like I said, like that's where I'm at right now. I'm kind of stuck there. I'm worried. Um, I'm worried that I'm going to put this out into the world and people are going to be like, yeah, like, like Ashley, like, you know, I think maybe your information is okay, but your voice is so boring or like, hey, like as a podcast, this sucks, but as something to put you to sleep during a very crazy insomniatic period, this podcast is awesome. (laughs) I don't know. Um... This worry, this fear that my voice is going to put people to sleep, it's so strong and it's honestly almost stopping me from putting this out there into the world. But you know what? I am trying to let go of this perfection. I've reasoned with myself like, yeah, you know what? You are a little monotone, but you know what? That's your voice. What are you going to do about it? That's you. That's who you are. What are you going to do? Are you going to do like a Mickey Mouse cartoon voice for the entire 30 minutes and be someone that is not authentic? Like, I can't do that. That would really hurt my vocal cords. And so, you know what? I just have to let this go. And I'm bringing this perfection issue up because it really, it ties into everything that we do. I know it's something that affects so many of us. Most of us struggle with this and it's pretty much all based in fear. And this fear is one of the things that keeps us from being consistent and it all ties into being complacent and not being the best we can be and letting this fear stand in the way of putting our best selves and our best work out there into the world. So whether you are just starting in business online or you have been growing your brand for a while, commit to consistency, commit to putting your all into something even when you aren't necessarily seeing the results you want, commit to putting something out there that isn't 1000% perfect and commit to fighting the fear and pushing forward anyway. Because there is nowhere to go but up unless you stop completely and remain complacent. And we all know what happens when you remain complacent. Kodak, yeah, I'm looking at you. And hopefully you can use this podcast as a tool to help you in that regard. I'm going to be putting out episodes every week. Sometimes we're going to be discussing technical things. Sometimes we're going to be discussing more psychology-based things. But everything that we discuss should be a snackable bite of info that you can take to better do what you do online. So as a little sneak peek in our next episode, we're going to be talking about choosing the right domain name and everything that goes along with that. So that's one of our more technical episodes. And then I also have an episode that's ready to go on the horizon. And this one's about the dangers of hype and overpromising, but under delivering. So all of this stuff that I'm going to be talking about, it's stuff that has really helped me in my almost decade of doing business online. And so it's my hope that it will help you too. And I also hope that you will join me and keep listening. So speaking of that, thank you so much for listening to this very first episode of Bite Size Strategy. And thanks for allowing me to hit you with these brand building tips. If you're hungry for more bites like this, you can subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. And I also invite you to connect with me on Instagram at Build It and Blossom, or you can also visit builditandblossom.com for more. And that's a wrap, you guys. Thank you again for listening. If you've made it this far, thank you. Sincerely, thank you. Thank you for listening to the monotone. 
deepness of my voice. And I'll see you next week.